Hey there, friends. I am Ryan Henry, and welcome to 180, where we get to share absolutely amazing stories of Christian transformation from around the world. I'm talking every stage, every age, every region, from a homecoming queen to a witch doctor. I mean, these stories are just so, so exciting. And you can find us at 180podcast.com. That's O-N-E 80 podcast.com. And please, would you just press that share your story button and maybe you'll even be able to be a guest on the show. And there was one evening then at almost at midnight when I was very, very quiet in the stillness of the night, I heard a voice inside me. Mm. And that voice is what frightened me because that voice was my inner voice that said, I don't want God to exist. Mm. If he exists, could it be that it's him who will satisfy me? Mm. But I'm so afraid of him because I have sinned so much. So much, so much, so much, so much. When God calls us, it's always amazing. Sometimes it's loud and vivid, but other times it's so subtle that it's barely noticeable, which is the case with the whisper of God Haran heard. Raised in Malaysia as a Hindu, Haran experienced lots of gods that never seemed to satisfy. He wondered why everything seemed so unreachable. And then, in the quiet of the night, God whispered to him, sending him on a quest for truth, a pursuit ending right at the feet of Jesus. Welcome to Haran's 180. Thank you so much for being on the show, Haran. Thank you, sir. My goodness, your story is just absolutely inspiring. But before we get into it, we want to go to our trusty random question generator from Chat Deck. If you could experience something considered very, very dangerous, but you had your safety guaranteed, what would you like to experience the most? I would like to swim with the shark. Really? Why, why is that? I'm fascinated with wildlife. Yeah. Yeah, with animals and shark and grizzly bears. Wow. Okay. All right. Swim with the shark it is. Well, I hope you get to do that someday with your safety guaranteed. Well, let's get into your amazing, amazing story. So if you would, just tell our listeners what it was like growing up in Malaysia. Yes. Growing up in Malaysia as a kid, I just had a lot of fun. Hmm. And just, I was living in a rural area, a river beside my house, the movie theater next door. Hindu temple on the other side, and lots of friends. And so it was fun. Childhood was the best in terms of fun. Yeah, yeah. What, what was something that you found yourself doing often? Oh, you know what I loved to do when I was a kid? Was to run into the trees and bushes. Yeah. And catch spiders and dragonflies. Oh my gosh, spiders. Yes. Okay, um, I'm okay with I'm okay with dragonflies. But you know, we catch spiders that will fight with one another. Gosh. So I get them to fight. So it's so my friend will catch one and I will have one and yeah. then we'll let it fight and see who wins. Oh my gosh, wow. And the way they fight is they will knock at each other. Yeah. And then who runs away loses. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They don't hurt each other, but they run away. Okay. All right. <laughs> what What were you like, I mean, as a child? What would people say about Haran? People will say that they know in the 
not in the private, but in the public, they will say, oh, he's a very religious boy. Yeah. He, he prays very well in the temple. <laughs> That's what one lady told me. Yeah. So I remember her telling that. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So what was the real Haran like? I was a rascal, a naughty, and always wanted to do things that is naughty. And I hated to study, just wanted mm. to have fun as much as I can. Mm. But because of fear of my family or my dad, and I did study. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about your father. Yeah, he is a tyrant. Mm. Uh, now when I reflect why he was a tyrant is that he wanted me to study and a way to get me to study, he thought, was to hit me, mm. you know, and he would get me to study. That's how those days mm. parents thought about getting your kid to study. Yeah. So I was terrified. Each time my father is around me, I would freeze. Mm, wow. It was very uncomfortable to be around my father. Yeah. Yeah. How about, how about your mom? What was that like? My mom was very passive. Yeah. So she just would allow me to do things mm. and will tell me stories. And she would be very comforting. Mm-hmm. Nice lady, nice mom. She would try to protect me from my dad. Mm-hmm. So an example would be that I would play so hard that I can see my father coming home. He had a barbershop, so he would finish and then he'll hang out with his friends and he will walk back home. So I will be playing out and I will be watching the road where he walks to the house. Yeah, yeah. While I'm playing and I'll be sweating, running mm. at 9 p.m. and I'll see him walking. And that's the time I'll run home and my mother (laughs) will see me jump into the bed and I'll say, dad is coming home. Wow. And so when my father comes home, he will be so wild. Did he study? What did he do? And my mother will say, don't disturb him. He's already fast asleep. Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) Mom to the rescue. Yeah. 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 So if you could just help me out. I I thought that to be Malaysian was to be Muslim. So was it allowed to be Hindu growing up there? Okay. In Malaysia, there were three races when I grew up. Okay. The original people, they call themselves the Malay Muslims. Mm -hmm. They claim to be the ones that were there, say, 500 years ago. Then 200 years ago, the Chinese and the Indians. So Indians, Chinese came in about 200 years from present time, it would be about 300 years ago. Okay. And so from 1800, the British ruled Malaysia. And so Malaysia was under the rule of the British and all three races were treated equal. Hmm. So I grew up in that period when we were under the British. Okay. So it wasn't hostile or anything like that? It was. It became hostile when I was starting to go to high school. Okay. Very hostile. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when we got the independence after that, Malay Muslims exerted their political power and it became very nasty. So it was, it, was it specifically hard to be Hindu at that time? It was not so much of a religion as much of economy. Gotcha. Okay. The Indians were treated not equally when it came to economy, when it came to education. And yeah, those were two areas that we were not treated equal. Yeah, okay. And political power. Right. 
So did you find that your family practiced their faith pretty consistently? Practicing Hinduism? Yeah. Yes. But when I was a kid, my mother prayed to idols, a lot of Hindu idols. But when she talked about God to me as a kid, she talked about a creator, Hmm. not about any individual Hindu gods, but about the creator. So when I thought about God as a kid, I thought of him as a creator. Then in the senior high school, that's when we all started making effort to pray to each idols to get specific requests. So I would pray to the elephant god and to the god of money, to the god of education. So gods, I will pray to for a specific need. Hmm. That was happening a little bit later in my life. That's when education became very important. So like when I was 12 years old, I probably started being advised to pray to those kind of gods. Hmm. Wow. Now, did you find that you thought these gods were answering you? No, it's not like I didn't see any results of being answered. Mm -hmm. But I'm supposed to assume, that's how we all assumed that when I'm praying to these gods, and then when I'm studying, it is assumed that the gods will help me Mm -hmm. or is helping me. Gotcha. So it's, especially if you're praying to the God of education, then you studying was kind of a manifestation of that. Yeah. And then I'm studying hard. Mm -hmm. And so I'm assuming, ah, I'm studying hard. And so I'm praying to that God. And so the education God is helping me. What was your role at at the temple? Because I know you mentioned that you live near a temple. Yes. So because my home and the temple were walking distance, Mm -hmm. just about a block or even less than that. Yeah. So... I would hang out in the temple because it was a large playground kind of area. Mm-hmm. My home was small. The temple was big. So it was fun to go there and yeah. run around. And then the temple priest's son and I became good friends. That is another major attraction for hanging out there. And when you get into festivals and if you're hanging out in the temple with these friends, when any festivals happen, I get to play active roles. Mm-hmm. So that that's another fun time. Yeah, yeah. So just talk to me a little bit about, I've heard that there's like, what, 330 million Hindu gods. Is that right? Yeah, many, many. So I in my home temple, there was a statue for an elephant, a snake, a rat, all the animals. So anything, anything that you can think of, whether it's education or money or... Whatever beauty, you can pray to any of the gods. There are many, many gods. Wow, wow. Yeah, millions of gods, yep. Did you find yourself worshipping a lot of the gods? Yes, yes. My main god in my temple was the elephant god, Mm. Vinayagar, yeah. So I would pray to that because he was right in the center of the temple. So Mm. when I enter the temple, he's sitting there, so... Okay. Yeah. So Haran, talk to us about the elephant god. Like what did the elephant god represent? Why was that one the kind of a main idol in the in the temple? Okay. It's in the Hindu mythology, in Hinduism or in India, different parts of India 
had their specific god so in tamil nadu or south india tamil nadu particularly tamil speaking people <laughs> their main god was shiva and shiva had two sons and one was the elephant god and the other one was named muruga so this shiva and then muruga and the elephant god vinayagar these were all the tamil speaking people's god okay so tamil speaking people pray to these three gods mostly hmm yeah thank you and w- was there any specific significance like did they represent i know you've talked about gods of wealth you know health yeah. education did they represent any of that or But these three represent that they protect tamilian like they are the tamilian protecting gods okay how did you feel yeah. when you when you would pray to these idols I feel like there was a connection what was that like those days i i didn't feel anything it, it was a activity you know you just pray and you do that it's an act yeah and you are praying um say if i am praying to this computer mm-hmm. i hold my hand and i bow to this computer and i say oh computer you are the god of money give me money and that's it Okay and then you just yeah. you, you move on. Yeah, yeah, and you move on. Okay. And so I have prayed to the god of money, the computer, and I hope he will help me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think it is when I became a believer and an adult, I remember my son when he became a believer, we took a group to the Hindu temple and the priest took us around the temple precinct and we saw people praying to all these idols and there was one on the wall and then as we finished and we came my son said papa you were like them praying to those idols i said yes and he wept and wept mm. because it was a shock to him how blinded my father was at that time that he would pray to a rock on the wall wow that was shaped in a snake he just got a shock wow and just wept and wept so that is how shocking when i think how can intelligent scientists from the hindu world pray to these idols what must have blocked their mind hmm. yeah wow yeah it is a blinding kind of thing that happens in your mind yeah thank you so much so so haran how how did you feel about your faith Yeah so when i was in college is when i realized that all these things that i've been praying for and all the activities of fun and everything that i was having with people didn't seem to make me happy hmm. didn't satisfy me so i was wondering what is it what else am i to experience on earth that i have not experienced at that time when i was in college that makes me happier you know and i just couldn't come up with it and there was one evening then at almost at midnight when i was very very quiet in the stillness of the night i heard a voice inside me and that voice is what frightened me because that voice was my inner voice that said i don't want god to exist hmm. if he exists could it be that it's him who will satisfy me hmm. but 
I am so afraid of him because I have sinned so much. Hmm. He is going to punish me. Hmm. That night, I was experiencing both a curiosity of who is God and what will he do for me if he is a good God. At the same time, will he also punish me because of all the things that I have done? Hmm. So I was both frightened of him, but I also wanted him. Yeah. What night was that? How old were you? I was in college. Okay. That means I was about 19 years old. 19 years old. Okay. Yeah. And so you had mentioned just feeling like there's got to be more, right? Would you talk to us about things that you were doing, maybe specific? You mentioned sins. And you was, was sin a, a conscious thing that you were aware of in Hinduism? And what did that look like in your life, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, it's in Hinduism, so every Friday, I would go to the temple to pray. Mm-hmm. So my sense was, every Friday when I prayed, all my sins of last week was forgiven. Hmm. Then, Saturday, Sunday, the sins will accumulate. Mm-hmm. So by next Friday, I'll feel, oh, it is up again. And then I'll go on Friday and pray, oh, it's gone again. But wow. every week it was continuously like that. Wow. So, and this is kind of, this is common across Hinduism. There's this yeah. weekly, yes. you know, trudging through, getting to temple, getting, you know, asking for forgiveness. Would you ask these idols for forgiveness? How, how did you go about yes, that? Yes, yeah. The idols. Yeah. The, like in this case, the elephant god. Yeah. And so some Hindus would do the, you know, they'll go to the Ganges River in India every year to bathe. And so each year they will, all the sins of one year will be forgiven. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't get that. I didn't get to do this one year, but I did it every week. Now, what in your mind, what as a Hindu, if someone died in the middle of the week before they had a chance to ask for forgiveness, what was the concept of, of heaven or eternity? The only idea that I was told. Yeah. Was that anyone who is born will be reborn. Okay. So incarnation, essentially? Yeah. So whenever you thought of death, uh, it was personal for you because you would not know who you are when you are born after that. But they say that you will be born. Okay. And they would say, you can be born uh, according to your sins, you will be downwards, or if you do good, you will be born upward. So the highest is you become you'll be born a Brahmin. The down is you might be born a cat or a dog. Okay. Yeah. A poodle. You don't want to be born a poodle. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. So what was it for you? Were you dishonest? Were you stealing? Were you smoking? What were the types of things? Everything. All of that. Yes. Okay. I would steal. I would go into a a shop and quietly steal things Mm. and lie and, you know, bluff and cheat with my father and parents. Yeah. Yeah. Yet everybody would look and say, this nice temple boy, Haran. Yeah. So when I became a believer, I went to the shop that I stole and I told the guy. Oh, wow. And I gave back money or something like that. And he just was shocked. Oh, my gosh. And I told him that as a young boy, I used to come into your shop and steal. Wow. What, what happened in college? I mean, when you finally left your father's reign. Yeah. So when I went to college, then I decided I'm going to decide first, is there God? But 
I don't want him to exist because I have been naughty and I'm still wanting to have mm. fun. And I enjoy sin. The mm. taste of sin is tasty and I don't mm. want to give that up. So uh, if he exists, then he mm. would punish me. And I don't want to lose out on fun and pleasure uh, of sin. So I went to the library to read up science books that will prove that God does not exist. I ended up reading the whole week uh, books on that the world is designed, the earth is designed, some brain has designed it, and some of the article said that brain people sometimes call it hmm. God. So in my mind, secularly, not in a religious way, but purely from a very secular science way, I said, okay, this earth is designed by a mind. He is God. And if he is God, he must have revealed himself on earth in historical time, uh, not in mythology, but in history. So who or where did he reveal wow. himself in wow. history? And so that's when I went to the religious side. And then I started reading and I said, no, I don't want mythology. I don't believe in mythology has any root in history. When I read the Christian books, then Jesus was history. Mm. But I couldn't bring about myself to believe that a man mm. could be God. But I said, kept reading and reading for about four wow. months. And slowly every question that I asked was answered by some book that wow. I would read. Wow. Yet when I, after reading the science book, I remember standing at the library door and looked up, actually looked up into the heavens and I said, now God, I believe you wow. exist. Show me, reveal to me where you came down <laughs> on earth. That was at the library door after I read the science books. Then after four months, when I started reading different books, but the final book that I was reading was Billy Graham's original version of Peace mm. with God on April 28, 1968, was when I finally put my head down and I said, God, today I am convinced wow. that you have revealed yourself to this earth in Jesus mm. Christ. I believe in wow. him now. And that changed my life. By Monday, I was a different wow. man. Wow. So, so that's the point you became a Christian. And, and by Monday, how did you know you're a different man? What, what types of changes did you sense? So on Monday, the first thing that happened was I was in college and I was staying in dormitory. And so after the lunch at cafeteria, normally I would take a cigarette and mm. smoke after a good meal. And I was kind of shocked that something was not as tasty as... The, the, the cigarette was not tasting the same as on yeah. Friday. Wow. And that was wow. my last cigarette. After that, my walking style, my combing style, my everything, my talking list, everything changed. Wow. I know you had mentioned coming to the temple every Friday and having your sins for that week. Did you have an understanding that your sins were forever forgiven through Jesus Christ? Did you understand that right away or did that come a long time? Yes. Yes. I felt it. Wow. I felt that this once a week, once a week thing just disappeared after that. 
What And what did that feel like? I mean, how would you describe that to our listeners? It was like a deep feeling of a inner sense, a deep inner sense hmm. that so convinced me that nothing in the world would shake me from that. It was wow. so deep and so wow. strong. Yeah. That wow. nobody after that can tell me that's not, that's a lie. And I would tell him, I know what I know inside me. Wow. Nothing that an idol can give to you. Yeah. Nothing. No no other object on this earth could have done that for me or no other powers could have done that for me. Wow. Jesus yes. Christ alone. Wow. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So, so did this change coming to the Lord? Did this impact your college studies or your career path? So, no. By college time, after I became a believer, I went to teach for five years. Okay. Yeah. It was after the fifth year, I resigned from teaching and went to seminary and wanted wow. to serve the Lord. Okay. Yeah. And, and wh- how did things develop there for you? Yeah. So after that, I just wanted a taste and the joy of studying the Word and teaching and serving the Lord was so exciting. Mm-hmm. By that time, I was already married, mm-hmm. my wife and I. So we left for Bible college. And what we knew God spoke to us was, He will supply us all of our needs. Hmm. So I never waited for anyone to say that they would support us. We just went. I think Hmm. I went with $20. Oh my gosh. Wow. But when I became sick in the hospital, you know, just like that day in the cafeteria when everything is still, Hmm. you hear God clearly. But now when I'm staying in the hospital, everything is still suddenly God shows me that his heart is concerned with the unreached Muslims of the world. Mm. And it was like as though that was his heart. Mm. And then he shows us maps of the world and the countries where Muslims are unreached. And I was overwhelmed with weeping. Hmm. I would weep, and this would go on for months, weep and weep and weep for the Muslims. And from that point onwards, my interest in theology just diminished, left me. Hmm. After that, I just wanted to go and reach the Muslims. And the first people that I started to work with were AIDS patients. Hmm. So they were the ones that I started to minister to. And, and if you could just take us into that, because I, I would love to just hear a little bit about what you know what you're doing now and your ministry. Yeah, after that, I became sick again. Hmm. A church hmm. would support two or three workers who are planting churches, and they would join together. Mm-hmm. And that way, the whole ministry up to today is all being done by churches individual churches supporting, praying, and visiting nationals who are church planting. Hmm. So in the early days, Hmm. the way mission was done was an American missionary would go and he would evangelize and plant churches. Hmm. Now it's the national who is going and evangelizing and planting churches, and the American church is going over there to give him a cup of water and to befriend him and pray with him and encourage him. Wow. 
Just amazing. I love what you're saying about just, you know, the American church coming alongside, being a support and encouragement. Like you said, fresh cup of uh, cold water and raising up people within the country to share the gospel. It's just absolutely beautiful. And so my wife leads women's ministry. Mm -hmm. And so women's group from all these churches travel, support the wives of the church planters. And they will bring them together and have fun and ministry. And up to today, most of those women look to the American women as their supporting, encouraging sister. Mm. So they right now, even they have weekly um, virtual prayer groups. Mm. And because those wives were forgotten, it's the men, the church planters, it's the men who are recognized. Right. But we realized when the wives became strong, then the ministry was also stronger. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, so my wife did a marvelous job working with women. Wow, that's amazing. She sounds like an amazing lady. Yeah, I think both my wife and I and all of our team, our main emphasis in this whole ministry was relationship. Hmm to have an honest, encouraging relationship with the nationals so that American teams go there and really love them, really invest in them Mm. and encourage them. That became such a powerful encouragement. So attrition became less. That means people leaving because they were encouraged. And then when we bring them together to a retreat, and we are all there worshiping, praying, you would hear testimonies after testimonies saying, I was so worn out, I didn't want to continue, and I was giving up, Lord. They would pray and tell in their bahasa, I was going to give up, Lord, but I came to this retreat, and once again you visit us, visit Mm -hmm. me, and I'm now going back. I want to serve you. We keep hearing that kind of a message in these retreats. That's just amazing. So beautiful. Wow. Well, bless bless you. And I know we're we're kind of getting to the end here, but I just want to ask you, if you could just walk us through, walk our listeners through the the main differences between Christianity and Hinduism. I would say Hinduism is a lot of prayer. It is a religion that is dependent on, on, I pray to this God by giving this God some items of sacrifice, like I will give money, I will give some kind of items like fruits, or I will walk three miles on my knee. So I will do those things, and you, the God, you will then be happy with me, and you will do good to me, wow. because you have more power but I also have power to give you something. Okay. So it's like a exchange. Okay. So I give and he gives. Yeah. Whereas for me, Jesus is what Christianity is to me. Hmm. Jesus is real as God in person in my life. Hmm. So it's not a religion. It is the person of Jesus in my life. Hmm. That's what Christianity is to me. So it is God revealed himself in Jesus to me, and Jesus is what all that matters for me when it comes to God. So 
I I don't equate religion like I don't use the term Christianity mm-hmm. but Jesus. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. I like that. And and now for our last question. If you could go back in time to Bran as a freshman in college, what would you say to yourself? As a freshman in college. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would say stop. Don't keep going here and going there and trying to find pleasure and fun and yet you feel empty stop hmm. and ask yourself what is it that you want that will deeply be meaningful to the depth of your soul hmm. do that that's what i will tell him wow wow haran thank you so much for thank just you, sharing your incredible story your your 180 with us today it has been awesome and i've just learned so much and i i really really appreciate your heart and just every detail that you shared with us today thank you so much thank you sir thanks ryan check out our website at 180podcast.com that's o n e 80podcast.com and of course we'd love your follow review and share of our show this is Caleb O'Malley sending off Haran with me without you by Toby Mac Raindrops rolling off my brim. Street lights got the pavement glistening. Touchdown. I fall into your arms, right where I belong, your everlasting arms. And where would I be without you? I'd be packing my bags when I need to stay. I'd be chasing every breeze that blows my way. I'd be building my kingdom. just to watch it fade away it's true that's me without you don't know where i'd be without you flashback step into the scene there's you and there's a very different me touchdown you had me at believe you had me at believe you did and where would i be without you I'd be packing my bags when I need to stay. I'd be chasing every breeze that blows my way. I'd be building my kingdom just to watch it fade away. It's true. That is me without you. Don't know where I would be without you. You rescued me and you are mine and I am yours. You rescued me. and i am yours forever you saved me remade me and where would i be i'd be packing my bags when i need to stay i'd be chasing every breeze that blows my way i'd be building my kingdom just to watch it fade away it's true so true That's me without you. Don't know where I'd be without you. 180 is a production of One Way Ministries.